Hi friends, welcome to the Like-Minded Radicals, the podcast designed for individuals like you who believe there's a better way to work and live. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of The Like-Minded Radicals, the little podcast with big ambitions to change the world of work. I'm your host, Kendra Parker, and I am so excited about our guest for today. She's a real game changer in the world of productivity and work-life balance. Our guest, Tina Patterson, is a trailblazer in helping leaders achieve extraordinary results in less time, all while working from wherever they please. With over two decades of experience, she's got a knack for inspiring change from corporate burnout to a thriving entrepreneur. Please welcome Tina Patterson. Sit back, relax, get ready to learn some secrets on how we can all work smarter, not harder from the one and only Tina Patterson. Thanks for being here, Tina. A wonderful introduction. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Um, definitely a woman speaking my language, woman after my own heart. Um, you've been working to inspire leaders to change, but let's talk about, why don't you introduce us a little bit to to what it is that you do today, and then we can talk about how you got there. Absolutely. So my deep, deep passion is showing leaders, and particularly in corporates, so think your large global corporates, how you can think about work differently so you can still have an amazing career and achieve great outcomes for your people, your customers, your organisation, but also doing it and focusing on whatever it is that is important to you outside of work, whether that be raising kids, looking after elderly parents, badminton competitions, up to you, <laughs> but showing that we can do things differently than the way that corporate has always been done. So I coach leadership teams and I coach them together on how they can transform their cultures to focus on the outcomes over the hours that they work in the office. I love that. Um, working in, in employee experience myself, um, you know, I've been looking at, at actually it's an EX strategy and we talk about a lot about the history of EX and how up until the 1900s, 1930s, it was really focused on outputs. So what's the, you know, then we've moved into kind of the 30s to the 80s. We talked about retention. And then we moved into this idea of engagement where we've kind of been stuck in for the last 40 years. Now we're talking about productivity, which to me is really about outcomes. But how do you separate the difference between kind of productivity and outcomes or outputs versus outcomes? Yeah. I often think of, you know, what's the work that you're doing? to re re realize the outcome that is there. So when I think about outcomes, I think about what's the value that you're delivering. And I think of it in three different lenses. One is your people. So you spoke about employee experience. How are you making things better for your people and making things that they value more? The second one is for your customers. Obviously, they're such a critical part of whether your business succeeds or not. And finally, what is it, what's the value you derive for your actual business? And I love the service profit chain where the people talk about uh, happy people equals happy pro customers equals happy profits. And so for me, it's not about what it is that you are working on as such. So implementing a system 
is just that you've implemented a system. If no one uses it or they don't use it in an effective and efficient way, you've just implemented a system. So the key that I encourage leaders to think about is not the deliver the system, but what does it enable? What does it unlock from a value, be it for your people, your customers and your organisation? And so when you focus there first, the inputs still have to be there, but it absolutely shifts what it is that people spend their time focused on. Because often in the past, as you say, we've come a long way where, we, where we've come from, but in the past, 80-hour weeks were seen as a badge of honour. You were seen mm -hmm. as a great employee if you worked 80-plus hours and you were always in the office and you left after your boss. They were the signs that you were a great employee. And so my passion is to shift that to go, no, actually, that doesn't add any value to your people, your customers, your organisation on its own. And so shifting it to go, well, what is it that does add the value, those outcomes, helps people to go, well, maybe I could do things a little differently. Now, there are absolutely weeks where I still do have an 80-hour week because I'm delivering value, but it's not the norm. It's looking at the peaks and the troughs and to think through doing things differently so you can also give yourself permission to focus on yourself and whatever it is that's important to you outside of work as well. I love that permission. We're going to come back to that. But I want to start with happy people because um, that's yeah. really what this, this podcast is about. It's about creating that fulfilling life and having that happy life and, and finding ways to make work be an expression of who you are and not an, a place where you go to kind of quiet that or squash that. Um, in a conversation that you and I had, we talked about um, – that you I think you I think you said it in this way that you live a life by design. Yes. So tell me about your happiness journey and how how that's kind of led to this idea of life by design. Yeah, so it has been a real journey and as you said, over a couple of decades to get to where I am now with life by design life by design. So I definitely was not there in my twenties. So my background, very corporate, that's my passion area. And so I held large leadership roles in some of the biggest global companies there are. And in my 20s and even into my early 30s, I absolutely thought that I needed to show up and be very professional. And I had my uh, jacket and pants and heels look and that was how I was. And I felt like I couldn't show that I had this other side of myself outside of work, that there were other things aside from work that made me happy. And work did make me happy. but at the time, it felt all-encompassing in terms of also the hours that I did. Uh, and then fast forward, uh, my boyfriend at the time, now my husband, we got married, we had kids, and I had to think a little bit differently that 80-hour weeks weren't realistic for what I wanted and what James and I wanted together for our family. Uh, and so that got really challenging and so it actually leads to why I do what I do because even though I did really love my job, what happened was I had this big job, had my kids who were six and four at the time where the real um, penny dropped <clears throat> that I've got to do things differently and so what happened was uh, the CEO where I was working, he asked me to take on a special project working directly with him. But as often happens, this was on top of my day job. 
And so what happened was my hours just started getting longer and longer. And those 80-hour weeks that I mentioned were definitely there. And because I still wanted to be there for my kids, the thing that was sacrificed really was looking after myself, mm-hmm. having being able to go for a run, being able to get sleep. They were the things that were compromised to be able to fit all of this in. And so it was only when I got to this one week where I knew I wasn't well and I knew that I had been burning the midnight or literally at midnight working <laughs> and um and looking at my laptop on one, on one Sunday evening and thinking, I've got to take a sick day. I know I'm not well, but only seeing important meetings that I felt needed me to be in them. So I did what most of us did. I just showed up in the office wearing that badge of honour of knowing yeah. I was sick, but I was pushing through and pushing through because that's what success looked like at that time, that it didn't matter what was happening in your personal life. You would show up be at your best. And I think resilience is a um, double-edged sword where it's wonderful to be resilient, but sometimes you can also push yourself too far. And that's actually what I did. By the end of that week where I had been at work in the office all week coughing and spluttering. So obviously this was uh, pre-pandemic. And it was only on the Friday when I was sitting in a meeting with my boss and he just turned to me and said, look, Tina, are you okay? And it's such a powerful question because I thought, am I okay? And I, it was really obvious. The answer was, no, I'm not. And I went to my doctor's and within about five minutes, he sent me to the emergency department of our local hospital. And I was diagnosed with pneumonia and oh. And I just remember when James, my husband, got to be by my bedside. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, look, Tina, no job is ever worth you lying here in the emergency department and I knew he was right I knew but I also loved my job so I didn't quite know how can I be a happy person a happy employee if I've got all these demands where I'm working really long hours and I've got obligations outside of work and then I want to find some time for me how on earth do I do all of that yeah Yeah, so that was the biggest wake-up call. And so when I did get better, I thought, okay, I've just got to figure this out. How do I do it? And so I watched lots of videos. I read lots of articles and blogs. And they all said the same thing, which I'm sure you've heard before, Kendra, which is you've got to fit your own oxygen mask first. Oh, yes. I guess you've heard that. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, I was being told, okay, to be a good leader, you've got to look after yourself first. And I remember thinking, okay, that does make sense to me. But I had no idea how to do it because it sounded great in theory. Yeah. But in practice, I had back-to-back meetings from 8 till 5, Monday to Friday. I would get a couple of hundred emails in my inbox. I would have kids that needed to be picked up from two different locations and needed to have dinner and be put to bed. And I wanted to have a happy marriage and have a little bit of time with my husband. You know, how, do, how on earth do I do all of these things? And that's when I realized that no one has really, really thought about it from a practical level of going what works. 
So that was then what I set off to to solve for and that's now what I do teach to uh, corporate leaders around the world. And so when it comes to happiness, I wanted that life by design. I wanted a great corporate career. But after my own burnout, I knew I didn't want it to be at the expense of my own health as well as um, spending time with my family. Yeah, I think it's it's so interesting. I actually just saw, um, I got something on Instagram, a quote that popped up, you know, it said, from the universe, I had to make you uncomfortable, otherwise you weren't going to move, right? And I think we hear that as, as a lot of people talk about their burnout experience. We experienced it as a collective level with COVID, where we were all forced to really take pause, which is an interesting um, approach that you do with, with leaders. What strikes me in reading your book is it really does, and, and the way you set up the book as well, is it really does start with self. It starts with that personal reflection, which oftentimes leads to this idea of kind of individual consciousness or at least a shift in perspective to say, I'm bigger, I'm part of a bigger complex um, organization or, you know, world. Um, and my, my life has meaning and value. And I, I want to understand that impact. How did you, besides the burnout, and then I think you talk about in the book, you start to experience with different types of productivity measures with micro habits and different kind of hacks. But how did, how do you, in all that self-reflection, how do you define Tina as an individual? What helped you understand who you are, what your strengths are, what value you bring to the table so that you could articulate that? Oh yeah, it's a great question. And, and you're right. It starts with self. So interestingly, so the title of my book is Effective Remote Teams and the subtitle though is How to Lead Yourself and Your Team to to Deliver Extraordinary Outcomes Without Burnout. And I was very deliberate of how to lead yourself. It comes before leading the team because one of the things that I have really realised is we mentioned the word permission before. If your boss doesn't really give you permission to do things differently it's really hard in the system you've got to feel comfortable to go I am going to look after myself and still do a great job the great job and the results have to be there but maybe I could do it a little bit differently so I realized that had to start with me as a leader because I also realized that when I was in the emergency department I was a horrible leader for my people right then and there in that moment. I wasn't a role model for them. Right. No one wants to look and go, wow, I I want to work for someone who has worked so hard, they have literally burnt themselves out. And so that was a big part of my wake-up call also to think to be a great leader, I need to role model what it is that people look for in a great leader. Yeah. And so that was the starting point. So it actually, even though I had to change, it started with wanting to be a great leader for my people as well as for my family. And so that drove me to look internally first to go, well, what do I need to shift to be able to make that happen? And that's when I realized, hang on, in general, in corporate, we're focusing on on the wrong things. It's not the number of hours. It's not the presenteeism of whether we're in the office, but what's that value? What is that value that we're delivering? And if we can show that we can do that, maybe we can empower ourselves and our teams to then have a bit more flexibility and do things a little bit differently. I love that. And I think 
the permission one is an interesting one because it it is so multifaceted because you do need that permission from your leader and, and ideally through role modeling, but also through the articulation of that. But also we have to let ourselves off the hook. You know, I definitely felt once I got married that that somehow gave me a new level of permission of holding a line better. Well, you know, or when I had a child, it was like really strong. Like I've got a child, I have to go. Whereas I couldn't hold that boundary before. I hadn't given myself permission to kind of keep those non-negotiables and to really hold that those boundaries and be strong about them. If someone's listening and they are thinking, okay, well, my boss isn't giving me permission, how can I hold those lines? How can I articulate that? How can I have that conversation with them and kind of manage up if they haven't quite yet hit yeah. pause and, and understood that for themselves? Yeah, so success breeds success. It's a quote from Mia Hamm, a famous uh, American football player, which I love, where when you do a great job, it gives you permission to ask for more than perhaps you have asked for in the past. So if you are not performing, it's really hard to ask your, your boss for flexibility, etc. Yeah. because you're not delivering on just the basics of what they're expecting. So it starts with... You need to be performing in what you're doing and really thinking about those outcomes. The outcomes have to be there to be able to even open up the conversation is what I would start with. So if you don't feel that you're quite there, uh, I've got many practical strategies in my book, but really think through how can I be effective and efficient right now and deliver to show to my boss that, well, maybe I could do things a little bit differently. But assuming that you are delivering, which I hope many, most of you or all of you are, then to be able to have the conversation with your boss of going, hey, can we get clear of what the things are that I need to deliver this, this month, this week, this quarter, whatever time frame you look for. And once you're aligned on what are the things that will add the most value and those outcomes that you're looking for, once you have been able to show that you can do that, to be able to open up then the conversation to say, hey, would you mind if I know the outcomes have to be there, that's part of why you've hired me and I'm in this role, but could I experiment with doing it a little bit differently? I commit to you, the outcomes will be there, but maybe I could do it a bit differently where it involves starting a bit later because my energy is actually a lot better in the evening, for example. We know People don't have the same energy levels at different times of the day. So yep. could I do things a little bit differently so that I'm still productive, even if it's not in the usual way? They're the sorts of things to consider so that you're very aligned with your boss on the what needs to be delivered and the value, but then ask, can I have a little bit of leeway in the how, how I go about doing that? But that starts with having earned the right to be able to shift away a bit. I like that's a really good strong nugget. It definitely does. And I think figuring out how to kind of self-promote in certain ways, right, to really yeah. articulate again, to, to be able to speak to the value that you bring, um, then opens that door to being able to do it your way, which is all, yeah. another kind of big theme that I want to focus on is that idea of personalization. Um, I think I read a report recently and it said only 33% of leaders actually have conversations with their workforce about w ways of working that work for them about yeah. personalized ways of working. And, you know, that's really where all the, the, the nuggets come from you is you've really experimented with multiple ways to understand, you know, how, where are you successful and where are you not? Are there other kind of um, tips maybe that 
you can share around how you've determined those or what some of the, the experiments are that you've done? Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you, they do not all work. I've got some <laughs> disasters in there, but that's what you need to be able to get the real, real gold out. But I start with my framework. So my outcomes over our system, I think about it like a three-legged stool where you need all three components for it to work and to really, really optimize how you focus on outcomes over hours. And the first leg is how to be effective. So this is about what you choose to work on. And so when I think about that life by design, a lot of it comes in here of what do I want things to look like? So that's both at work as well as outside of work. And so to extend this from a work context, thinking through what will add the most value, it's not going to be everything. There are things that have an outsized uh, relationship in terms of the value that they deliver. So why wouldn't I prioritise those? So again, getting really clear, what, where can I drive the real value and to prioritise and to continually do this because we absolutely know things move really quickly in corporate and so mm -hmm. just saying at your annual performance appraisal, here's what I'm going to do for the year, that just doesn't cut it anymore. And so continually reprioritising of am I working on the things that add the most value? That's step number one, to be effective. And to really also think through, we could all work 24 by 7. There's so much stuff that comes at us. So how do I ensure also I delegate where I can as a leader? I say no where it makes sense. I manage expectations. All of this comes in of what you choose to focus on and what you choose not to focus on as well. And only once you've really spent time there does it make sense to focus on the second leg of the stool, which is how do you be efficient? So this is where your productivity as such comes in. How do you collaborate? How do you get things done faster? How do you manage your time? And there is no point, though, doing that if you're working on the wrong stuff to start with. <coughs> Excuse me. So you've got to be clear of what matters first before you think about how can I do things faster and in a better way of doing it. And once you've done those two, though, what I call the rocket fuel, how do you be energetic? How do you look after yourself? And there are so many articles and studies out there that yeah. show that when employees are empowered to look after themselves, it leads, as I said, happy people, leads to happy customers, leads to happy profits. It absolutely has a bottom line impact when we let our people be well. We know that when we're tired, we are not as good at conflict resolution or decision making or even getting through the work itself. So what I've realized, though, is it doesn't make sense to start there, even though you might think it would. And so that fit your own oxygen mask first. Yes, we need to look after ourselves first, but to give yourself the best chance of following through and actually looking after yourself, you need to first look further upstream to go, where can I free up some time in what I'm doing so I feel okay about looking after myself and whatever and whoever's important to me outside of work? It's interesting because I, I, I agree with that quite a, quite a bit actually in that 
we sometimes focus on the wrong things. We're starting at the wrong place, 100%. And so I really want people to realize that it does, again, back to it starts with self, understanding what it is that you value, what it is that you bring to the table. How can you actually almost exponentially bring value based on the innate natural gifts and talents that you have? But you need to understand those first. Have you done many um, assessment tools or any other kind of modality that's really helped you key in on you know, what you uniquely bring to the table besides the experience that you've had? Yeah, so having worked in corporate, I have done quite a few of the different assessment tools out there. There's no one that I would say um, revolutionised how I think about things. It's more in together. Probably, though, the thing that had helped me the most in this space is thinking through, and it comes from uh, the the book What Colour Is Your Parachute, of thinking through what am I good at and yeah. what am I passionate about and where could they intersect so that I do more of that stuff? Yeah, I love that. Exactly. How can I do more of it? Because then that's where you can hack, right? When when you can use your innate gifts and talents, yeah. you are probably way more efficient at that activity than someone else. And so that's where you can really bring value while also saving time. Um, so a nice jewel. Um, what brings you joy? Oh, so many things bring me joy. So I I um I fill in a journal each morning and I have that question. I'm a big believer in thinking about what brings you joy, what you're grateful for. So I get to fill that in uh, every single morning and remind myself what brings me joy and am I doing enough of it in my life? So this morning I put in there uh, here in Melbourne, it was a beautiful day yesterday. I went for a run along the beach. That brings me joy. I'm yeah. terrible at it. I'm not a runner, but I love it. And so things like that, small things for me, it's not about material things for me. It's about usually people who I get to spend time with, be that uh, family, friends. brings me absolute joy sharing my Outcomes Over Hours message and seeing the transformation of corporate leaders who say to me, hey, I didn't think I had I could possibly find hours in my week. I'm so busy. And then you showed me I could. And for the first time ever, I've dropped my daughter at school. Like things like that bring me absolute joy to hear. So often it's in the smaller things that I look for. But as I'm sure you've heard the saying, often the small things are actually the big things. Yes, 100%. And that's what I love about the work that you do is you're, you're really bringing, I see you very much as like a bridge between um, corporate worlds and some of the leaders that might be a little bit further on like the consciousness or spiritual side. And you're really in that middle because what you do is focus on process ultimately, yeah. right? How the, how it's getting done. But if we think about process, the result of process is always human improvement. So if you're improving my daily life, then that provides more opportunity. And on the back of your book, you talk about um, as part of your about me um, that your solutions have helped create the freedom to have a great corporate career with deep personal satisfaction. Yeah. And that's, you know, and fulfillment outside of work. Deep satisfaction, fulfillment, motivation, these are the the kind of concepts that I'm really trying to get at the heart to and, and how do we bring those into the corporate environment. And processes is such a key one. If we think about, you know, Henry Ford and what he brought to the table with the idea of the assembly line, ultimately it led downstream to better working hours, better working conditions, increased pay. 
So this is so foundational to ultimately the future of work and creating a more human workplace experience. So I love. And it comes back to, as I said, in in my 20s in particular, I felt I needed to act in a certain way that was professional and not talk about what was happening for me outside of work. And what I've realised is we're all human and we all have stuff, whatever that stuff is going on outside of work, whether that's good, bad or indifferent. But to not acknowledge it and to think that we can just be workhorses all the time is not realistic. And I think about the people who've been in my teams where when they've had serious things going on outside of work, have being person first and checking in with them first about how they are versus the work, those people then have been often the most brilliantly engaged people. And then when they have been able to come back to you know, their their full productive self as such. They've been amazing in how they've worked. So I find that uh, a lot of old school thinking is that you have to be always on, always doing things. And if, if you take a longer term view also and a hu- human view, mm-hmm. you don't know that's not necessarily the way. There's a much better way that is win-win, that it works for is- helping people through when they've got tough times or whatever's going on but also the business can win then that they're more engaged to then obviously go that extra mile when when they can yep it's that um infinite game as simon sinek calls Mm -hmm. it right thinking about the long term and 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 that's what i see it as this again this is our our opportunity to have an experience where i think we can find that satisfaction and that fulfillment by providing impact, bringing value, understanding ourselves better and and those gifts and talents that we have. What I find ultimately as a necessary next step, but also a complicated one is teamwork. Because if we think about this idea of outcomes, like I really believe that the future of work is really about collaboration, connectivity, community. These are necessary human elements to our experience. I think that's one of the biggest issues with um, with individuals, though, is how do you articulate what the outcomes need to be as a team and, and ensure that I'm not carrying all the load as an individual? Yeah, yeah so I made a very deliberate decision that I don't do at all one-on-one coaching, <sighs> which is really interesting. So I've asked numerous times and I've said no no but to me it's about the team it's exactly what you say Kendra that yes we are individuals but to get amazing outcomes usually it is a team effort that we need to do so what I find because through my program we meet live with the team itself and often they have not stopped to ask the questions and to explore the questions that we ask about what really is important that we're going to all get behind? And particularly when there are matrix structures, how do we deal with it when we've got competing priorities from different people? How do I say, no, 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 my my thing is more important than your thing? And we had a to, okay, what do we collectively say? These are the most important things that we need to do. So I completely agree with you that the team is where the conversation needs to have. What I would say is, most leadership teams aren't necessarily creating the time and space for those conversations because they're so busy yeah. straight to how are we going with this, how are we going with that, and they don't stop 
Um, there's a wonderful cartoon I use in my um, in my program that it has got cavemen that have got these square wheels and they're pushing this kind of cart full of rocks and someone's standing there with round wheels, round wheels saying, hey, do you want these? And the, and the cavemen say, no thanks, we're too busy. And I feel like stopping to have the right conversation with your team, that's like the round wheels of going, yeah. hey, we can do things a little bit differently and think about the overarching team as opposed to what you think is important versus I think is important. So that would be something that I really would encourage leaders to think through. When was the last time we really had those conversations as a team? I think having that conversation as a team and how we're going to get there and what is the priority is so important, but also the leaders and the the how and, you know, how are we going to get that work done, role modeling, the right behaviors, creating that safe space, that psychological safety. So it, it is it is such a collaborative effort and it and it can't just happen at that most senior yeah. level where, oh, well, we have a purpose as an organization. We've got a purpose and we're just going to rally everyone around that. Well, no, I need to, to actually be rallied around my leader's vision on how we're going to achieve those outcomes as a team and then have those conversations with my teammates about kind of the, the actual concrete steps we're going to take, how we're going to achieve the outcomes and, and what responsibilities and role each individual is going to play. Completely. And the other insight that I've seen from only really working with the leadership teams is that often at the end of the first workshop, they'll say, I was the only one who, oh, I thought I was the only one who didn't have my act together. Yeah. You all knew exactly what you're doing. And I've realized now, no, we're all struggling in different ways. And bringing that human element and that vulnerability and authenticity to say, hey, I don't have all the answers, but maybe together we can think through them is so powerful to do. Oh, extremely. And I, this is one of my missions, I think, is to bust this idea of professionalism. Like, what does it even mean to begin with? Who decided which characteristics make me a professional? It's only served as a barrier between you and I to build a relationship yeah. because I'm presenting myself in in a way and I'm not necessarily being authentic and, and sharing with vulnerability so it's an interesting an interesting term and definitely one I want to to get busted I think um I have enjoyed this so much I love talking to you I feel like I, I feel like we could talk for hours um but if people are interested in reaching out to you or learning more or getting a copy of your book uh where would they go Sure. So you, the key place you can find me is on LinkedIn. I post there consistently about what I'm seeing that's working, not working around outcomes over hours. Also my website, tinapatterson.com. Patterson with one T in it. And if you're interested in my book, Effective Remote Teams, you can also grab that there. And your podcast? Yes, I, I have my own show, which, uh, as you know, Kendra, you were a wonderful guest on the Outcomes Over Hours show. So if you're interested in learning how different leaders do find their own permission to focus on Outcomes Over Hours, you can find that on YouTube under the Outcomes Over Hours show. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest. This has been incredible, as always. Um, and I look forward to potentially having you back another time. Absolute pleasure, Kendra. Thanks, Tina.